started. It's great to see you all again um, and to be with you. And what a happy, amazing, all-encompassing, like the whole story passage we got to study today, right? So no grumpy faces after today's lesson for at least today. We um, should just shout and jump with joy. Um, okay, so let's kind of set a little bit of the context of where these folks are, these Thessalonians, I can't see it, um, when we uh, start this passage. Um, perhaps they were confused because Paul had only gotten to be with them three weeks, and then he started being tortured and was snatched out of there. And so that's the reason why he was so concerned. Like, how are you doing? I was only with you for three weeks. So if you think about the first three weeks that you were a believer, you probably didn't know everything either. Um, they may have also have had just such, obviously, they had such a limited perspective of what it all meant. Kind of like Mary and Martha when Lazarus died and they said to Jesus, oh my gosh, if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. We know that you can heal him and you weren't here and now he's been dead for days and there's nothing we can do if you'd just only been here. And they kind of missed the point because Jesus says, do you not know that I am the resurrection and the life and the life? And so once he was dead, they thought that was all Jesus could do. And whether we are dead or alive, that is um, insignificant to Jesus. He um, is the author of life. So he was showing us that he is the resurrection in the story of Lazarus. But Mary and Martha, who had been with him a lot, uh, still had didn't understand the resurrection. Um, the Thessala, the Thessala, these people um, also had just, you know, grasped eternal life because it had never been a part of their world and their their theology. And so, oh, eternal life, and Jesus gives us eternal life. Yes, we want eternal life, and we're will. And all of a sudden, their maybe their best friend or their wife or their died and and that made no sense to them all of a sudden wait we thought we had eternal life and now these people that we love so much or our leaders or whoever it was that they were grieving their death that doesn't make any sense based on eternal life but even more than it not making sense we still want to be believe in eternal life but they're going to miss it they're going to miss getting to go out and meet the lord and so they were super confused about if you're dead, does that mean that you're going to miss getting to see Jesus when he comes back again? And then, of course, they think, like many people do, um, if we just know exactly when Jesus is coming back, then we can be ready for him. Like, if you tell me you're coming, I'm going to clean my house. Right? If you don't tell me you're coming, I'm probably not going to clean my house. So it was that thing. If we know when Jesus is coming, then we can really be prepared for him. And um, Paul is saying, it doesn't matter whether you know when he's coming back or not. You're a part of the day. You're a part of the living. So you don't need to 
fear this destruction and wrath that are coming to the ungodly and the unbelievers, it doesn't matter when he comes. You are a part of this living body of Christ, and you are a part of the light. So live as a part of the day. Um, You're destined for life, not destined for wrath. This is your hope, and so it doesn't you don't have to know when he's coming it doesn't affect the end so that was those were some of the misconceptions that um paul is helping them understand so let's pray and then we're going to see what paul um told them about these things that they were concerned about let's pray dear jesus i pray that you will be with us in this room today as you always are that just like you were with Mary and Martha in their home when you were here physically with them we know that you are present with us by your Holy Spirit and you're here to teach us and to inspire us and to inform us and Jesus you want us to be excited about these things you want us to be excited and in anticipation and hope that we will get to see you and um, that we'll get to be with you and that we are with you. So, dear Jesus, I pray that you would break into our muddled minds and our um, hearts and help us behold wonderful things from your word today. In your risen name we pray. Amen. Okay, so in our passage today, if you'll get out your rainbow sheet... Um, We're going to read this together quickly. You've already read it, but we can't read it too much. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, We tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying, peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you... Brothers and sisters are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day... Let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, 
but he received but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, dead or alive, we may be with him together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. So your little code out here, your little color code. I felt like the main point of this entire passage was that we're going to be forever with the Lord. That is it. That is our story. We are going to be forever with the Lord. That is over every moment of our life. We will be with forever with the Lord. So as a result of that knowledge and that reality, the result is that we don't grieve like the world. We don't grieve like those that have no hope. And because we know that we will be forever with the Lord, we can encourage ourselves. And probably more importantly, we can encourage each other with these words that we will forever be with the Lord. Why? Because the Lord himself said it, right? This isn't a made-up story of end times and hocus-pocus, la-di-da. This, the Lord himself said it. So because the Lord said it, can we believe it? Yes, we can believe it. He said it. What do we believe? And then this is a creed. We say this every single week. What has the Lord said? He said it. So what can we believe? We believe that Jesus died for us. We believe that he rose again. We believe he is coming again. We believe that when he comes again, he's bringing um, his, his sons and daughters with him. We believe that we're children of light. The green is what we believe. We believe that we're children of light and not of darkness. We believe that we belong to the day. We believe that God did not appoint us for the wrath to come, but that he appointed us for life because we are alive in Christ and his death covers us. Um, so that is what we believe. How do we believe this? It is a process and it has worked because we, um, our assurance, our everything before Jesus does come back again, all of our beliefs are under attack constantly as our bodies are under attack, our minds, our spirits. Um, so how do we believe these things? They're fragile a lot sometimes. We believe them and this is the work. This is the, this is like the, this is the work we have to do. We have to believe them in faith and love. We put that on as our breastplate. These are covering our vital organs, our, our head and our heart. Faith, hope, and love cover the vital organs of our spiritual life. And then this, this pink is the party. This is when it's all going to happen. This is when it begins. This is, this is what we have to look forward to. John Piper refers to this section as the noisiest verse in the Bible. And I was listening to just a little snippet of his, and I literally thought my computer screen was going to blow up. He was so excited. And we should be that way. This is electricity. This is like something coming out of the page that we can't, I can't teach this. We can't explain it. There are no more words for this. You know, we can talk about hope, faith, and love. We can talk about encouraging each other. 
But this actual event of this trumpet of God and this voice of an archangel and Jesus descending. And I mean, it's chills and it is, we don't, these are the only words we have for it. Our language, our eyes, our experience. I can't tell you anymore. I mean, there are no words for it, but this should just electrify us and give us such thrill. Like we need to let ourselves be thrilled by that. We're going to get to be a part of this, like, like an invitation where this is us. This is our story. Um, if you are going to make, um, a recipe, and some are more dependent than others on a secret ingredient. If you were going to make spaghetti and you didn't put oregano in it, you would probably still semi-be spaghetti, but oregano is pretty key to spaghetti tasting like spaghetti. Um, if you're going to make a pound cake, vanilla and sugar are pretty important. There was a little girl on the children's baking championship the other night, and she was my she's my favorite one. And she served the judges, and the judges said, Honey, did you leave something out of this recipe? And she's like, No, I've got the eggs. I didn't. And she just put her little hands up to her face like this, and she said, I forgot the sugar. <laughs> so she had this gorgeous cake that she'd worked on, and she'd forgotten the sugar. So if, if you're making a cake, it's pretty key that you either... Put real sugar or you buy some of the substitute stuff. It needs to be sweet. The resurrection, Jesus says, is kind of the secret ingredient to our Christian life. We tend to think that his death and his bearing away our sins and making eternal life possible for us through taking our judgment and punishment that is all important. All important. That is the gospel. The secret ingredient to the gospel is the resurrection. And we are told that if the resurrection hasn't happened, isn't going to happen, isn't the story, then we're just, we're just fake. Like we're, we have nothing. We really have nothing. Without the resurrection. In fact, um, in uh, 1 Corinthians, we're said that we're to be pitied among all people. Because we've, we've lived our life. And for what? If it's not true. So if you'll go to your next little page. What does, um, in, in this beautiful section that we just studied, what is it that... He's trying to explain to them in a way that they've never heard. And thankfully, so that now we have it, um, the particulars of the resurrection. He is saying to them, you don't, we, we don't grieve as the world. Yes, we grieve. The word is like we grieve, but just not like everybody else. He doesn't say we don't grieve. We majorly grieve, majorly have tears, majorly Feel all the emotions of the fall and separation and death and all of those things. Um, 
but we grieve with hope. So he then he breaks it down for them so that they aren't um, so troubled by what has happened to those that have fallen asleep. And so on, on your thing, you are here sideways. So while we live, our body and spirit together serve and worship the Lord. That's where we are right now. You are here. Our body and our spirits are serving and worshiping the Lord. When death comes, it's unnatural. It's not the way it was meant to be. But it's not a death without hope. And so when this happens, here's the little chart. Our souls, our spirits go to be with Jesus in heaven. And our bodies are in the grave. And this is a separation between our bodies and our spirit, our bodies and our souls. And then here at the top, all the little verse, all the, some verses, not all of them, about our spirits being immediately with the Lord. Away from the body is to be at home with the Lord, to depart and be with Christ, the righteous people made perfect. Um, and the, our shorter catechism says this in question number 37, in case you want to know. The souls of believers are at their death made perfect in holiness and do immediately pass into glory. But then it also says in the bottom, and their bodies still united to Christ. That is the key to what makes our view of the resurrection and what the Thessalonians are hearing for the first time and maybe what we've heard for the first time is that although our bodies and our spirits are separated until the time of the resurrection, our bodies are still united to Christ. Our bodies are still with him. He has not lost our bodies. We're asleep. The body is asleep. And it is decaying. And we don't even know where some of the bodies are. John Piper was hilarious. He said, don't get hung up on the fact that that body, as we know it, is decaying. Or that that precious one was overboard a ship and a fish ate that body. And then another fish ate that one. And then another fish ate that one. That is not up to us to know where the actual physical body. The body is not separated from God. He knows where that, he knows that body. So we don't get hung up on how is this all going to happen. When, when the command from God comes and his people that are in, have been eaten by three fish maybe by this time or have been in the grave for thousands of years, those bodies are still connected to Jesus. They're still connected to God. He has not lost a cell of that body. And at the moment of the resurrection, their bodies and souls will be united. That's the resurrection. So you scoot out here, um, like well, Job says, after my, after my skin is destroyed, yet my, in my flesh I will see God. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Our bodies are never separated from Jesus, right? That's, that's weird. That's, people, that's hard for us to get our heads around. 
but the resurrection wouldn't make sense if we didn't know that that God that Jesus still had our bodies in some in his I mean where did the light come from when he commanded the light right so when he commands life at the end of time we don't have to worry about where those bodies are coming from he has them he has the bodies as well as the spirits so in this day of the Lord the second coming um, he broke it down for them so that they were so afraid that the people that have died would miss getting to go out and meet Jesus and be a part of this beautiful, triumphal church, victorious meeting of Jesus in the, in the air. That's going to be like the pink part, you know, that's just like so awesome because they would be saying the same thing. They're in the grave. They don't even have ears. How are they going to hear the command of the Lord? They're in the bottom of the ocean. How are they going to know to come up and meet Jesus in the air? If he explained it to us, we still wouldn't understand it, right? If he told us how he was going to do it, would we understand it? No. If he told us how he made light, I sure couldn't understand it. So all we have to know is that when this command from the Lord comes... All of his people will be raised in that moment and joined to their spirits. They will be, they will be, this is the resurrection right here. And that will happen first. The resurrection will happen first. Now, I don't know if you can really say first, second, third, because who knows what time, you know, we're not going to say like, he's going to do that in 15 minutes and then 15 minutes later, he's going to do the next. I mean, that's how we think, but, but this will happen first. They're not going to miss anything. In fact, they'll be first in line to be able to go see Jesus. And then the ones that are alive when Jesus comes back again, there's no need for their resurrection, right? They will just be changed in a twinkling of an eye. That's not even 15 minutes. Okay, so then we will... Uh, this is the cool part. This is the main thing that, that Paul wanted them to understand. And, it, and it's, so, it's so exciting and so good for us, too. He's emphasizing that we will all be together and we will all go up and meet the Lord. Now, I walked around outside yesterday. And Kelly Calvert said she did the same thing and just looked up in the sky and just... Like, we can't even fathom what this is. Like, is the sky just going to cease to exist? I mean, he's not going to come to New York and then London and then my hometown, Louisville, would be the last place. You know, like, they're going to get it at the same time everybody else. But, like, what? We, what? We can't even imagine it. Like our, but the beauty is that we're going to all, all at one time, all be together all go out and meet the Lord. And um, that's the beauty of this passage. And when that happens, we will all, always be with the Lord forever. So, the beauty of this passage is whether you're asleep or alive, there is never a, a blink of the eye that we are not with the Lord. There is no fear for those of us who belong to Jesus. We are always with him in life 
in death, in resurrection, in his coming, we are always, always, always with him. Okay, so let's bring it home for just a second. Our clock's not working. All right, like in one, two minutes, we can bring it home. A little bit of application. Doesn't it make sense to argue from the greater to the lesser? If we can take such hope and comfort in this final destiny that we have and the final destiny for those that we have already been separated from by death, if we can take such comfort in that being the end of the story, can we take comfort in the hundreds of little deaths we die all along our life? All through our life, when the world is beating us up, when Satan buffets us and tries to destroy our faith and our hope and our love, can we not argue from the greater to the lesser and say, in this death of a dream, in this despair that I'm facing, in this loss of everything that I thought I was going to have, in this life that is not anything like I imagined or that I had hoped for, in this afternoon that blows up in my face, in this weekend, in this child that I cannot fathom if there will ever be um, a good end to this child's story. In all of these things that we face hundreds and hundreds of times throughout our life, can this hope shine its light into the millions of little deaths we have to die until the final death. I would say it's intended to do that. We're living the only true fairy tale that there is. And we literally can say we know how the story ends. And as trite as people try to make it outside of the Bible, there really is a happy ever after for us. But as because we know how the story ends... Can we not flip open and whatever page we're on in our story of today, your story's being written, when we flip it open to that page in our story, can the end of the story not inform the page that you're on today? And I would say it's very much intended to do that. How? Faith, hope, and love. Because Satan will try in every way to confuse you on the end of the story. He, he's going to muddle it as much as he can. But the end informs the, where we are now in the story. Um, look, we, I mean, I took it way too extreme, but we'll have periods of our life that will literally feel like Rapunzel being locked up in the tower with no hope, with despair, the darkness, loneliness, all of that. If she knew the end of the story, she would have had hope, more hope in the tower. We can feel like we're Cinderella and Satan is accusing us all the time and putting fear in our heart and you're not good enough and how could God love you and you don't really belong to him and blah, 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 blah. You know, he's our wicked stepmother times a million. And if Cinderella had known that, It would have helped her in the middle of the story. And that's what I'm saying. For us to know 
the end helps us in the middle of the story because we really do have um, the hope of of glory, the hope of life eternal, and it should inform our every day. Argue from the greater to the lesser again with we will forever be with the Lord. Um, we will forever be with the Lord means that if he is with our bodies in the grave and our bodies are never separated from him, our souls are never separated from him, why is it easier for us to believe that we are not separated from the Lord in death than it is for us to believe, it's hard, it's hard for us to believe that he is with us right now. So if he is with you in death, he is with you in life. If his body, if your body is not lost when it's in the grave, your body sitting in this room, driving this afternoon, making dinner tonight, going to sleep, waking up tomorrow, you are never separated from the Lord. It may feel like it. Satan may try to convince you that you are. It may not be real at all in your life that you are in the presence of the Lord, but he has not left you and he never will. So um, we try through faith, hope, and love to cultivate the strong sense of his love and the hope of the resurrection informing our daily lives um, moment by moment. Who has First John 4? Do you have? Okay, Rebecca. If you'll read that for us. Thank you. And Alice has Romans 5. Thank you. So this passage assumes that we're going to be discouraged, confused. It assumes that we're going to grieve. It assumes that we're going to forget. But he tells us to encourage one another and to comfort one another. We do that in our weekly worship. Every part of our worship is designed to remind us, to comfort us, to encourage us in these things. When we say week after week, I believe Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. We should say that this Sunday with more like yes than we've, ever, than we've perhaps said it in a while. So our worship does that for us, but our relationships are so key that we are little theologians to each other, and we're little comforters, and we're little pastors, and we're little teachers. And when we are in these spots of despair and, and fear and grief and being overwhelmed, God has prepared you for each other 
and it just may be a while for your turn to come around, but that is what he's saying, that we have to have each other to be these little voices of truth to each other and voices of comfort and voices of encouragement because it's a given that we will be discouraged, grieving, confused, and forgetful. And um, that's how important we are to each other. We have to have each other, and we have to have our worship um, and our church. So let's, uh, uh, we don't have time to sing, but I printed, because um, I've been singing it all week, the two verses of Be Thou My Vision, so y'all can just sing that in your car. And then Kelly Calvert brought these today. She said that this was some papers, a paper that Darwin had after one of his sermons, you know, when he preaches forever, and then he's got more to say than he can say. <laughs> and this was one, and probably people hardly ever, but her husband had picked it up and saved it, and he goes, oh, I've got Darwin's paper on that. This is questions about death and resurrection. So if you want to grab one of those, um, you're up here. Have, have a good day, good week.